0: to the cash-based practice owners interview series where I, Dr. Morgan Meese PT, am interviewing different clinicians across the country who practice in a variety of ways, but all outside of being in-network with insurance. The world of entrepreneurship and business for healthcare professionals is full of knowledge, creativity, and amazing people just like you who wanted something different. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the cash-based healthcare entrepreneurs group or on my website at morganneese.com. I would love to speak with you. So please join me as I interview our guest today. Today's episode is with Anthony Maritato, who gives us a masterclass on how to incorporate Medicare into your cash practice and all the things you need to make it legal and beneficial to your business. So, we are here live. I know that a lot of people have been really looking forward to this live stream since we announced it and everything. Um, so, welcome everybody uh, to tonight's live stream, our interview with the famous Tony Maritato. Um, really excited to talk to you today, Tony. So, thank you so much for being here.
1: Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yay! <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, as you guys here in the group know, Tony and I both work with therapists in different ways, you know, helping other therapists build their practices, grow their practices, work with insurance and all that kind of stuff. And I know a big thing in this group and with people that I've been talking to um, is like the big medicare elephant in the room (laughs) and how how do we handle that and i know that tony is an expert so i'm really excited to share this with you guys we have some questions set up that i've gotten from everybody in the group um so yeah and i see that there are people here with us so if you're here live say hi let us know you can hear us um and tony if you don't mind um Sharing with us and sharing with me too, you know, because we are at first meeting today. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what got you here.
1: Absolutely. So, my name's Tony. I go on Facebook by Anthony Maritato, but I'm Tony. I'm a licensed physical therapist, private practice owner. And just briefly, because I agree, context is so important, like knowing where I come from, it's always going to color the information and the advice that I share. So, I started in the cash based world. I was a personal trainer. I was a strength coach. I opened a personal training studio down in Sarasota, Florida. It was called Siesta Key Personal Training. And that was back in 2000, May of 2000, 2001. Um, and it was awesome. You know, like I had just graduated college, I had a bachelor's degree in kinesiology, I was a strength coach. I was loving it. I saved some money, I was living at home. And I always say, like, the the advantages that I had over most of the people watching this is I had zero debt. I had zero family, zero obligations. Like, I was literally that kid living in the basement who started a personal training studio. But that's how I got to make mistakes and learn a lot of lessons. So for the first year, it was all self-pay personal training. I met a physical therapist. I was not a therapist at the time. She was phenomenal. I said, I've got to get this person into my my personal training studio. We set her up with her own business. We put it in my cl- my um, workout area. It was 800 square feet. And over the next year, we transitioned from all personal training to almost all outpatient orthopedic physical therapy. We were so green at the time. We had no idea about anything. We literally used the fax machine across the street at the UPS store I hung a business card in the sandwich shop down the, the plaza for me thinking we were going to get flooded with patients. <laughs> and we just were in for a rude awakening, you know, but like those are the days that you would never give up. Like we did all the renovation. We cleaned all the toilets. We did everything at that time. And um, it was just amazing. It was just such an amazing experience. So fast forward, we my the lady that I recruited is now my wife. Um, she Aww. convinced me to go to PT school because she said, you love physical therapy. If you want to run a physical therapy business, therapists won't trust a non-therapist. You have to become a therapist. So I did. I applied. I got accepted. I, I think I received my master's in PT in 2006. By that time, we had opened two other locations. So we were running three clinics at the time. We went in network with Medicare. We got in network with multiple providers. Um, we decided that outsource billing wasn't the way for us to go. Uh, the business had grown past a million in revenue and we were like, we're giving away $70,000 a year for someone to push a button. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. And we also realized at that point that we weren't running a business. We had a job, we were going to work. We were putting out every fire and we were like, we're going to get married. We want to have a family. We can't be in the clinic 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So we stopped, we reset, we learned how to run a business, we learned how to create systems that weren't dependent on us. And that eventually allowed us to then move to Ohio. 2006, we moved to Ohio, we got married, we opened two more clinics. And at our largest, just so you guys know where I come from, we had five clinics, we had multiple clinicians, we had PT, OT, admin team, we brought billing in-house, we did our own marketing. We, we were a full operation and we ran like that probably till around 2011. Um, the clinics in Florida ran on their own. The clinics here, I worked at one. She was out of patient care when we had our first son, we have four boys. And our goal from the beginning was not to be rich, was to have time so that we knew we started, a, we wanted to start a family. We wanted to be home with the kids when our kids were young. We wanted to be available. We wanted, you know, to to live our life and let the clinic pay our bills. And so we mostly got there. My wife's been full-time stay-at-home mom since our 12-year-old was born. Uh, I go into the clinic a couple of days a week. I treat a couple of patients, but most of my time you guys see <laughs> spent on social media <laughs> and doing other stuff, um, but we still have the operation. And so like most things, you know, times change, economies change, environments change. We decided we don't want to grow clinics anymore. We don't want to build that business anymore. So we consolidated, we sold a clinic, we closed two other clinics. As of today, we own and operate two clinics here in Ohio. We still have a clinical team. We still have admin. Uh, I dedicate a portion of my time to teaching other therapists how to do billing, how to do, understand Medicare, stuff like that and I treat patients. I did two evals today. I did a couple patient visits yesterday. I still keep a hand in the clinic, but patient care is what I do because I enjoy it. It's not what I do to pay them more, you know, and, and being able to have that freedom mm-hmm. to know that I don't need to do two more billable units and squeeze in four more sessions to pay my student debt. That's important. And I think therapists as a profession need to have the freedom to be able to say, hey, I don't want to see this person for more than 30 minutes. They don't need it, you know, Mm -hmm. or I do want to see this person for 90 minutes because they do need it. Or I want to see this person for free because they genuinely can't afford it. Like you guys, we have spent enough time in school. We've bled enough that we deserve the independence and the freedom to make those decisions. And that's why having a successful business allows you to do that. Treat patients the way you want to treat them
0: yeah yeah absolutely and like that's a huge thing and like part of like my mission too is like we just like you said like we have all this knowledge all this education and obviously you know like some of the biggest like most caring hearts um to work with people and help them um you know and help them get better like long term and everything and i just found like um you know in my personal experience leaving school and joining the traditional healthcare system that that was not the vision that corporate healthcare has (laughs) um and like that was just something that didn't really align with me and like i was miserable i wasn't sleeping at night and like it got to a point too where like I'm really good with names and faces, but I would have people on my schedule and I would look and say, hmm, I wonder who did their eval? And it was me. <laughs> I did not remember them at all. You know, and so that's definitely like a big part of my mission too, is like, we should be able to treat people the way that we want to treat them and like the way that we would want to be treated too as patients. Sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, It sounds like you've definitely learned a lot. I know we were just talking before we got on that there are some mistakes that have been made, some real life situations. Um, I don't know if you want to like kind of start this talk on Medicare. Do you have any real life situations around that that you can share to kick us off?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think the most interesting way to look at what we're all doing right now Mm -hmm. is really, I mean, we're no different than our patients, right? Like for our patients, we want to build strength. We want to build resilience, independence. And when I look at clinicians, I want the same thing for them. And -hmm. the fact that so many are so fearful about insurance and not understanding insurance that they just like turn a blind eye to it. And they think if they don't look at it, it's not going to affect them. (laughs) I, I think it's a shame because you're more than smart enough. We're all more than smart enough to understand it. But it's, it's this weird, you know, anxiety we have around it. Whereas if every single person, and, and I find this so interesting, and I mentioned it in the Facebook or the YouTube live I did today, I said, so many of the clinicians that I hear talk badly about Medicare, frustrated about Medicare, can't believe how bad Medicare is. None of them have been contracted Medicare providers. And they're listening to people who haven't been contracted Medicare providers. And I think if you stop and you talk to the clinicians who are working with Medicare, you'd be amazed at how simple it actually is, you know, and Mm -hmm. how relatively black and white it actually is. And so just like anything else, like nobody wants to pick up the dumbbell the first time. I can teach you about exercise till I'm blue in the face. You have to pick up the weight. You have to do the work. You have to do the heavy lifting to get strong. Mm -hmm. It's no different with business. And now for us, going back to when we did go in network, so we officially went into network with Medicare, I think it was 2002. Mm -hmm. And so I can remember, we're like, we're therapists. We're not billers. We don't know what we're doing. We're going to hire a billing company. And we did and we lost a boatload of money. We probably lost 30, $40,000 because they were not billers for physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And so then we hired a second billing company to bail us out and we lost more money. And it wasn't until the third billing company that we finally got somebody who understood billing for therapy. And I just, I, I couldn't help but you know face the realization and say, and I'm, I'm not speaking badly about anybody or any profession, but the reality is like you guys, Most of you watching have a doctorate in physical therapy. A billing company has a three-month certification and lots of experience, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they don't do a good job, but it means that we could probably figure it out if we put a little bit of dedicated effort into it. And so that's what we did. And we said, look, we've got to figure this out. Like, How can you run a business where the lifeblood of the business is cash flow and we don't have control over the cash flow? And and then I looked at the business model of billing and I said, okay, so at that time we were paying 7% of collections. And it's so appealing because we are like, well, we don't pay them until we get paid and they're working for us and they want us to get more money because the more money we get, the more money they get. Like those are all the selling points. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's totally backwards because if I'm paying 7%, which doesn't seem like much, seven bucks on a hundred, the thing is, if I'm doing a hundred thousand in revenue, right? Okay, so they're gonna earn seven thousand in a year. Nobody's gonna live on seven thousand. If I do two hundred thousand a year, they're gonna make fourteen thousand, still not gonna pay the bills, right? So they need five or six clients who are making two hundred thousand a year to even make enough money to have a decent income. Mm-hmm. They can't manage five or six clients at that size. Okay, but let's talk about the math. So on the one hand, we say, well, if we don't collect, they don't collect. True. But if they don't collect on one of my $100 charges, they lose seven bucks. I lose 93 bucks. The, mm-hmm. the balance is not weighted equally, right? It's much easier for them to give up seven bucks and not spend 20 minutes chasing money down than it is for me to give up 93 bucks because they can't afford to spend 20 minutes chasing the money down. So there's all these different perspectives and different dynamics. And the reality is, again, when you look at, you know, learning from your mistakes, learning from someone else's mistakes, and that's what I hope you guys do with me, you can say, oh, well, maybe it's not such a big deal. You know, maybe I can figure this out because thousands of people before you who are probably less intelligent than you guys watching right now, certainly less motivated because you guys are spending Thursday night here with us. (laughs) They figured it out. You can figure it out too, you know, and then once you have the power, once you have the control, once you know what's going on, then you can choose to delegate it back out. And I talk to practice owners almost on a monthly basis and they're like, I don't know where the money is. We haven't been paid in six months. I I try to call my biller and they're not returning my calls and they're completely helpless. It's the same as the patient who's stuck in a wheelchair for no reason other than they were afraid to walk and now they're deconditioned. They just need to exercise. They need to get back out of that chair and build some confidence, you know? So we learned the lessons, we took our lumps, and now fortunately, because of this and you and social media, I have the opportunity to help therapists. I've been teaching my Medicare billing course for two years now. Mm -hmm. Several hundred people have been through it. Um, That makes me feel as good as when I help Mrs. Smith stay in her home And not get admitted to a skilled nursing. You know, like I get the same joy and satisfaction helping clinicians like you uh, gain independence and be able to make decisions from a position of strength. So, you know, I'm happy to answer your questions. I'm happy to talk about incorporating Medicare and cash pay into the same session and, and any of that stuff. So you just fire away.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to put it. Because, um, you know, like, I will be the first to admit, like, I just, you know, like, I left school, got into my job, worked in outpatient and home health. And I just saw, like, all I could see was like restrictions. And in terms of patient care with insurance, here where I live, and, you know, like, I don't know a lot about insurance. I really don't, you know, and I just got upset and angry, (laughs) it's like, I'm just going to do cash, it's easier, um, you know, at least for me, and it's straightforward, and, you know, I think that's just, I've been, like, had my blinders on for a long time, you know, and it's been fine, but like there could potentially be other opportunities out there for me to learn a lot more about the insurance world and with Medicare and everything in particular, you know, and I think that it's the same for a lot of people here in the group. Like we all have our reasons as to whether we are in network, out of network, whatever, um, you know, but I like the fact that, you know, you just want to make sure that everybody is like as educated as possible and as trained as possible in all of this stuff so that you can make educated decisions on your business you know on what's going to be best for everything um so yeah awesome well I definitely have a list of questions um that I want to ask um, but kind of going off of that um you know and you guys watching if you have any questions definitely comment and let us know how would I know whether it is like a good idea for me or not to get credentialed with Medicare? I get asked that a lot. I think the first, I think.
1: Yeah, the first part of that is understanding your business model. You mm-hmm. know, like what is your business model? What is the business you're in? Most of us and I'm going to go out on a limb with this, but I'm going to say most of us are in it for us. I'm a therapist because I love being a therapist. I love helping people. I love, I love the feeling, and, and I'm just as susceptible to the trap of ego as any of us, but I love that feeling of helping a patient and the patient being like, oh my gosh, you know, you did so much for me. Like, That's a drug, and I'm totally hooked, and I've been hooked <laughs> for two decades doing this, right? Mm-hmm. This morning, I had a patient. She's been in my clinic well over six years. And we'll talk about wellness and therapy and all that stuff. But she told me today, she was like, you know, I can't, I can remember because today was a new event for her. She's like, I remember the first time I came here, I had this problem and it, you, you did something to me and I've never felt that good. And I'm just so grateful and so thankful. Like that is an addictive feeling to feel that. So if we can understand the business we're in, if we can understand the service of the product we're delivering mm-hmm. and what our ultimate are, then we can start making educated decisions. And so for us, I don't want a $10 million business. That's not what I'm looking for. I don't want a new car. I don't want a nicer house. Like I love my house. I love my car. I love my family. I want time. And so I will always sacrifice making more time, more money to have time, freedom and independence. Mm -hmm. I'd rather, as long as I have enough, I'm good. Like more isn't going to help me at all. And so with that, I look at my business model and I say, okay, in in my city in Sarasota, when we came out of Florida, we had over 150 competitors, other physical therapy clinics, uh, and it was pretty cutthroat, you know, like everybody was willing to undercut the next and everybody was pushing And and back in the early 2000s, like the big trend was open as many clinics as you can get your gross revenue over five million and then consolidate and sell. And then they'll take your clinic, and then they'll sell it to another clinic, and then they'll sell it to Athletico. And that was kind of the way things went. And we knew that we didn't really want to go that route, because Mm -hmm. that was a very corporate model route, and we just weren't into it. And the reason why we downsized was because we said, hey, we're seeing, like, with two clinics, I see just as many patients as I did with five clinics, and I make just as much money, you know? So... I don't need the extra liability, the hassle, the headaches, the HR, any of that stuff, um, and cash pay versus in network. It's pretty similar. Like you're going to make more cash pay, seeing a third of the patients you're going to make going in network, Mm -hmm. but certainly if your business model is, which I'm my business model is this, I want to make that clear. My business model is I sell wholesale, (gasps) sorry. I sell wholesale physical therapy services to the insurance company. The insurance company delivers those services to the patient. We do the best that we can for the patient within what we deliver. But we're absolutely cognizant of the idea that at the end of the day, the patient is not my client. If the patient was going to pay me, they probably wouldn't come to therapy. The insurance company is the customer and the client. You know, and, and these patients need services and we do the best in within our capabilities to deliver that, but we're delivering what the insurance company is paying for. Now, mm. what's interesting about what you said was you felt confined, you felt restricted and most therapists do. They're like, well, the insurance didn't authorize this and I can't do that and I can't do the other. You know, a classic example, I don't do dry needling, but Medicare doesn't pay for dry needling. A lot mm. of therapists want to do dry needling. So they feel restrained in that they can't do it. But the reality is that gives you the freedom to do what you want to do, you know? So like for me as a therapist, we see a, a decent sized population of Medicare. Every Medicare beneficiary is not living on a fixed income. Every Medicare beneficiary isn't like struggling to make ends meet. There are plenty, even where I am now, definitely where I was in Florida, Mm -hmm. who have many millions in the bank and who would rather do nothing more than spend $10,000 on them themselves, if it's going to give them better quality over the next six months, 12 months, two years, you know, they don't blink an eye to drop $10,000 on a weekend at Hilton Head, Mm -hmm. they're going to be happy to pay ten thousand dollars for a month of time with you, if you can deliver what they want. And Mm -hmm. so, by understanding Medicare, understanding the guidelines, I would never tell anyone in this group right here to say, okay, forget cash pay, go in network, and you're just going to run an in network clinic. Like, that's not your business. That's not what you want to do. But what I would say is look at Medicare for what it is. Don't look Mm -hmm. at it for what you want it to be. Just because Medicare doesn't pay for dry needling doesn't mean dry needling is not beneficial, not helpful. And it doesn't mean the patient can't say, I want to buy that, right? So my whole approach over the last couple of years has been, look, Medicare is the ultimate form of lead generation. And I'm going to lay the scenario out for you right now. So let's skip to the part where you say, okay, I'm contracted with Medicare. And now what? Mm-hmm. Hang on a sec. Are, am I still on? Because you got you cut out for me.
0: Well... um, we'll just wait for Tony to come back in just a second. Um, but do you guys have any questions so far? I know like a big one that we are going to get into is, you know, like, can you charge, uh, cash to people with Medicare? Um, that's a huge question. And like, there is a, um, big misconception out there about that. So I'm sure that Tony will enlighten us um with what's going on with that so definitely drop comments below um if you have any questions and uh tony will be right back with us And for those of you guys who are just joining us, um, we are doing a live stream tonight with Tony Meritado. Um, he runs a Facebook group. Um, if you guys aren't in it, it's super helpful. Tony has a bunch of stuff that's really helpful. Um, and it is, let me look up the name. Um, the Medicare billing group, um, for mostly cash based PTOT SLP. Um, so I would definitely check out that group. And, uh, Tony also just posted, um, this YouTube clip, um, that I'll share with you guys later. I'll drop it in the comments, um, about other stuff, um, on VT. So let's see. Hey, Tony, there we go. are you back with us? Hey,
1: sorry about that.
0: That's okay. Everybody totally snow. understands.
1: <laughs> All the snow and I just switched over to my hotspot. So that should be a better connection.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like somebody commented real life and yeah, like, especially with all the telehealth stuff going on, you know, in the past year, everybody just like gets it now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so where did yeah. I cut off?
0: Um, I know that we were kind of talking about a little bit about, um, you know, like charging cash for services, you know, versus like what's covered by Medicare. I know that's did- where we were starting to get headed.
1: Were you able to hear me talk about Medicare as a lead generation tool?
0: A little bit, but if you want to start there again and
1: just give us a recap. So Medicare is the ultimate lead generation tool. And and the best way to explain it is in a real life scenario. So Mm -hmm. real life scenario, you guys, somebody in here decides I'm going to contract with Medicare. Okay, awesome. You get a referral, right? You're still marketing to your niche. You're still marketing to your population. Um, you're still establishing yourself as the expert in something, whatever that thing is. So for me, I, I stood up and I said, hey, I'm going to be the person for total knee replacement, right? And so you get a referral. Referrals, a Medicare beneficiary, they come into your ecosystem. You do your initial evaluation. You say, okay, John, here's the situation. Let me make sure I understand everything correctly. You love playing golf. You're in your late 60s, you've been active your whole life, you're a college athlete, you wanna get back to feeling like you did in college. You've got children, you've got grandchildren, and you wanna be that kick-ass old man who can still hang with the young ones, right? I totally get it, because that's me. And with that, I can tell you that you know, you're probably 35, 40 pounds overweight, you already mentioned that you're hypertensive, You already mentioned that you're type two diabetic, you have elevated, elevated blood sugars, you you're having some GI issues, you're having this other stuff, you know, you want to eat better, you know, you need to sleep better, you don't want the sleep apnea machine and all that kind of stuff. So here's the deal. I understand your shoulder hurts, your shoulder pain is a symptom of the bigger picture, you know, and so what we do, what makes us special, what makes my clinic different is the fact that I'm not going to just treat the shoulder pain because the shoulder pain is a symptom you can take an advil and your shoulder pain is going to feel better we need to fix the root problem it's a lifestyle issue for you you spent 40 years building your business and building your career and doing all this stuff now we need to spend at least three months building up you and with that here are your options you know the great part is the eval says there's no red flags, there's no major concerns. You can go out tomorrow, play golf, it'll hurt your shoulder, but it's just pain. It's not gonna damage anything. If you wanna work with me, this is the package. We do a lifestyle kind of reboot. We go into you know healthy eating. Um, there's a cooking program that we do twice a week on Tuesday, Thursday nights. The cost is $350. This is what we do during each session. We have a sleep hygiene program that I think is vital for you. This is the cost, this is what we do. For you to work with us in this setting right now, the total cost for the month is $3,500. When you subtract out the part that Medicare will pay, that'll save you about $600 and the rest would be paid by you out of pocket. Now, if that's not something that you wanna do, if that's not something that's a priority for you, that's totally fine. There's a clinic right next door down the street. John is the therapist there. He's also a Medicare provider. He does an amazing job. And the benefit of that clinic is they only deliver Medicare coverage services. So if you want to stay here, this is the package for you. If you don't want that, I'll hook you up with John. He'll do his own evaluation. You can get started. And if in a month you feel like you're not making the progress you need because you realize you need the other stuff, come on back. It's no big deal, you know, because we're here. We're going to be here no matter what. And that's the conversation and that's the way the conversation is framed. But the idea is that Medicare got that person in the door. Medicare gave me the opportunity to deliver what I believe is best to that individual. Then they have the opportunity to choose if they want to buy it or not. You know, so I could spend a thousand bucks on Facebook driving traffic into my clinic or I can accept a lower reimbursement. I can, I can earn a thousand less and accept the Medicare beneficiaries, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, for me, again, when, and we'll talk about medical necessity in a minute, most of the clients that are coming to me seeking me out, because I've established myself in the community, they already kind of know, like, nobody walks into a CrossFit gym, and thinks that it's a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. If you're going to CrossFit, it's because you understand the culture, and you know what to expect. You Mm -hmm. wanna feel the experience of CrossFit. You don't want meditation and serenity. If you want that, you go somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody is coming to you and they're asking if you're all cash-based and they're saying, do you accept my insurance? You failed them because you didn't adequately convey what it is that you do. I don't go into a Chinese food restaurant and all you can eat buffet and ask for like a Ruth's Chris steak, right? Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going in for. But if if you don't do a good job conveying that, the, the patient's just lost and they're, they're just coming blindly and, and there's no, no direction for them. So that's where Medicare fits the model for what most of the people watching this is. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be a full-time Medicare clinic. Mm-hmm. Medicare is the legion. Medicare gives you the opportunity to say, look, this is what I really think you need. If you just want to go through the motion, If you wanna lay on a plant and do three sets of 10 straight leg raise, go do it and let Medicare pay for it. But that's not what you're gonna get here. And because Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get that here, I can't afford to do it for what Medicare is paying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a really awesome way to look at it. And that's not something that like I've really thought about before, but I can totally see how it would really fit into things. And like, that's definitely like a big theme about like what I do, you know, what other people here in this group do. And, you know, what I want all of you guys watching to understand is like, you know, when we go out on our own and like create our own practice, especially as solo entrepreneurs and everything, like you're delivering more than just like traditional PT, you know? And like you said, like three sets of 10 on a plinth and like, I'll come give you another stretchy band and then like, you're done or whatever. Um, you know, you're really delivering like a full like life transformation for people, you know? And so some of that, you know, like you said can be covered by Medicare, but much of it, you know is not going to be covered and therefore you can charge cash for that, um, you know? And so I think that's a great segue into that, the, like big question. How do I charge cash to somebody who has Medicare? What's covered and what's not?
1: So the main thing is becoming familiar, and, and I publish it all the time, but CMS chapter 15, if you Google search CMS chapter 15, it's the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual. And if you scroll down to section 220, that covers PTOTSLP, SLP. And mm-hmm. you can see Medicare pretty clearly defines what is medically necessary what is reason where do they cut off you know in the classic example i always share which is a medicare okay thought i lost you um it, it's a medicare quote is like they show an example and, and medicare is really great about sharing examples and they show an example where they say okay patient had a total knee replacement first session you get them on a recumbent bike you do a little bit of rocking you set them up then once the patient understands what they're supposed to do on the bike even if now this is an exact quote from medicare even if it's if they can't safely set themselves up independently that no longer becomes a covered service so we pretty clearly see like going to the conventional care clinic and doing a hamstring stretch calf stretch riding a bike for 10 minutes and billing that for 20 sessions that's not a covered service Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: so when you're attracting your ideal client i pretty much guarantee your ideal client they're dressing themselves they're bathing themselves they're feeding themselves driving themselves to wherever you are they're managing their finances they're cognitively intact like okay so they have some some issues maybe they're post-surgical most of the times like when we were in florida they would squeeze therapy in between rounds of golf and going to the country club right Mm -hmm. That's not what Medicare is intended to pay for. And so if if, if I'm absolutely like, totally, I'm never going to take Medicare, okay, that person comes to you with a referral in their hand, connect with a Medicare provider that you like, that you trust, say, look, go get an eval with John, then John's going to send you back to me this way. John does what Medicare requires, and then I can do the stuff that you want. You know, and and that is how you start building networks. And of course, if John accepts Medicare, he's going to love that you're sending him avals. He's happy to send them back to you. Um, It's a symbiotic relationship there. But covered services, if I take the big six, the big six, basically, and you see this in the documentation Medicare publishes, a physical therapy evaluation, that's always going to be a covered service. Now, if it's a health performance, health, wellness, motivation, whatever, not covered. But if it's a legit physical therapy evaluation, that's always going to be a covered service. And it always needs to be provided by a contracted provider. But that doesn't mean they can't send them back to you after, you know, and with <laughs> telehealth. So here is my segue for you guys. You could reach out to me. So like Morgan gets a referral for a Medicare provider that is high functioning, high level. Morgan gets me on a telehealth session. I do a telehealth session for your your patient. I bill Medicare. I determine that the patient is not an appropriate Medicare beneficiary, does not require further treatment covered by Medicare. I basically have given you the green light to say, okay, that's it. The Medicare side is done. Now you can work with Morgan the rest of the time. Like I do that with massage therapists a lot. And it's not that I'm I'm doing it fraudulently. It's, It's legitimate. Now, if the patient has an unhealed, unstable humeral fracture and requires passive range of motion, they need to be with a physical therapist. They're not gonna go with a massage therapist. If they've had a fresh CVA, a traumatic brain injury, like they need legitimate physical therapy services. But most of the clients don't have any of those situations. And I would even say many of my post-surgical cases. So within the Medicare guidelines, they share examples. This is the one we use for home health all the time. Patient gets referred. They're seeing a home health therapist twice a week, right? That's medically necessary. That's a covered service. But the family or the patient wants five days a week. Well, guess what? you guys can step in and provide the services for the other three days a week. They have been determined to not be medically necessary or, or else the home health agency would have been doing them. Mm-hmm. The fact that the home health agency said, nope, we're doing two days a week gives you the green light to pick up the other three days a week for a self-pay cash rate, whatever you want to charge. You're not confined to Medicare guidelines. You're not restricted to anything because you are not providing covered services in that case you're providing supplemental services to Mm -hmm. somebody who's receiving covered services those examples are published in medicare guidelines cms chapter 15 like it's it's well established but you guys don't know where to look you Mm -hmm. don't know where to find those resources and you really don't have anyone telling you hey you can do this you know so that that's the hard part i think if you don't know what you don't know you don't know where to find the information
0: yeah absolutely and i think that's like part of the like fear and anxiety too is you know like i don't 100%. Like you said, you know, I don't know where to even start, and I don't want to take on the task by myself, especially if I'm the only one wearing all the hats in my business. And so I'm just not going to think about it at all. Um, You know, but luckily we have you, um, you know, pointing us to all the resources and everything. So that's awesome.
1: And truthfully, like, I don't share my opinion. Most of what I say isn't opinion. I would never say anything that isn't backed by publications by references that I can cite and that I can share, and by professionals that are, you know, higher up the chain than me who actually sit in on audits and reviews and lawsuits and all that stuff. I mean, Nancy Beckley and Rick, I have all the respect for them in the world because they've been through it, you know, Mm -hmm. so um, they're my experts. They're the ones that I go to that I look for, but I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, they're in the place, like, they're, they're further down their career path. I just like to help and I like to share these ideas and kind of stimulate new thoughts for you guys. So going back to maybe another question you might have had, people always ask, why can't I charge cash? Why can't I provide covered services? What's this whole opt-out thing? And, and I shared the YouTube Live today, specifically showing everyone where to find that information. But basically, what it is, there's a federal law separate from Medicare, but it's a federal law that says if the patient has Medicare Part B coverage and they're receiving a service that would otherwise be considered a covered service. And the best way to ask is if you went to 100 therapists, would the majority agree, yeah, this should be covered by you know physical therapy? Okay. If they're receiving a covered service, there's a federal law called the Mandatory Claim Submission Law that states that therapist has to submit a claim to Medicare. Now, even if the patient invokes their right to privacy and says, I'm not gonna let you submit that claim to Medicare, that doesn't abdicate you of that responsibility. You, the theory is you're, you, Morgan, can't tell me I can go rob a bank, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the patient can't tell me I can break the mandatory claim submission law so it's a flux, like that's, that's a, a challenge. But what I also shared today was the guideline goes on to say, even if you do believe that the patient has the right to say, you can't share my information, absent a claim, you're still not allowed to charge the patient more than the Medicare allowed amount. So if I can't charge more than the Medicare allowed amount, why don't I just join Medicare? Like, it's so simple. It's so easy. It's free to do. It's just crazy that I want to even open myself up to that liability. Mm -hmm. So the, the CMS chapter 15, the Medicare benefit policy manual, section 40 is where it specifically says all of this about the mandatory claim submission, that therapists are not on the list of providers who are allowed to opt out of Medicare. And just so we all speak the same language, Medicare does not have out of network, Medicare does not have other classifications. You're either a participating contracted provider, you're a non-participating contracted provider, or you're completely unaffiliated. And the whole idea is both PAR and non-PAR, you're still required to do everything the same. The only benefit to non-PAR is that you are allowed to refuse to accept assignment, which essentially means that you can collect 115% 115% of the non par allowed amount, but you have to collect it from the patient. Medicare doesn't pay you, Medicare pays the patient. And the problem is, you get one or two delinquent accounts and you lost any benefit from the extra 15%. So mm-hmm. nobody really goes non par unless they have some ethical, moral bias against it. But, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things where the way you protect yourself is you say, okay, I've read the guidelines. I understand everything that Tony said. I've created a checklist and and this is usually what I recommend. And it could be 10 yes, no questions. Uh Was this patient able to dress themselves, bathe themselves, drive to the clinic, all these things. Does this patient have any like significant medical complexities? Like, are they going to have a heart attack when we're working out? that requires the skills of a therapist. Are they at risk for a stroke while we are working out? Am I I keeping track of blood pressure? That needs a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. But if if these patients are going to the golf course and they're working out at the YMCA and they just wanna come and see you because you make them feel better, probably not medically necessary. But if you create your checklist and you say, look, check, 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 check this person doesn't need physical therapy. This person needs lifestyle intervention. They need motivation. They need coaching. They need all of these things. You at least have a little bit of a backing to say, well, this is why it's not a Medicare covered service because it doesn't meet this criteria of medical necessity. It doesn't meet this criteria of reasonable and necessary. But if you don't know the resources, you don't have the checklist, you don't have policies, You're out there just kind of hanging out. And then all of a sudden, the patient who told you they want to pay cash sends a claim to Medicare and Medicare can't find you in their system. That's when you run into problems, you know, and it's not frequent, but I don't want to be on that end. Even if I'm one in a thousand, I don't want to be on that end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of that was really helpful. Like I know one of the questions that we just got in the comments was about, you know, having like minimum like rules, regulations, policies for your business. And it sounds like, you know, from what you're saying that having that checklist or like a diagram flow of yes no questions you know to help yourself out and then everything is just concrete you know it's all written down to know you know whether this person can be like cash or whether you need to go down the medicare route or both um and probably having the link to the cms guidelines handy (laughs) um to reference frequently would be good Um, are there any other like policy, procedure, things that you think would be helpful for a practice owner with this stuff? Or what do
1: you think? I think any, whether you're cash-based, hybrid, in-network, whatever, like, we all do it. You know, it's the same lessons you used to learn about documentation. Like, we all go through the stuff in our head. We make rational, logical decisions. But we just don't put it down on paper. And so if somebody comes back to you and, like, why did you make that decision, you have to be able to justify it, have it somewhere. So what I tell most people in the beginning, the best way to create your policies and procedures. And if you don't have policies and procedures, you don't have a business, right? If a bus hits me tomorrow, heaven forbid, my family will be sad. My clinic will continue to operate. Nothing will change in my business. That means it's an actual business. If, my, if a bus hits me tomorrow and all of a sudden everything shuts down, I don't have a business. I just have a job. So the way you go from a job to a business is you build structure. Our bodies move because muscles can pull on bones. The policies and procedures are the bones, the skeleton of your system. And so what I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't care what your business model is. You start tomorrow. You look at everything you do one task at a time. How do you answer the phone? Okay, write that down. Then when you get a call, ask somebody else to read this and answer the phone. If they can't replicate what you do based on what you wrote, you have to rewrite it. And you continue to revise and rewrite everything. Like How do you change the trash? How do you have a marketing conversation with a new patient? How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you document? How do you, whatever, how do you handle when somebody wants to cancel because they're too sore? what do you say? What do you do? Like we have a system in place. If somebody calls to cancel on Monday, if it's a nine o'clock appointment, my front desk, my team, everybody knows. Okay. Objective. Number one, if they're canceling a 9.00 AM, try to schedule them for another time on the same day. If that doesn't work, objective number two, try to schedule them for another day in the same week. If that doesn't work, objective number three, add an extra day to the following week. If that doesn't work. Okay get them scheduled, and then you start looking at other opportunities to move people who are scheduled later in the week into that nine o'clock spot. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody was scheduled for tomorrow, but I can get them in today, then I can put somebody else in tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? That is a procedure. And I think as clinicians, we think, well, I'm going to hire an admin person, and they're going to know how to answer the phone because they answer the phone every day. If you don't give them the tools to succeed, they will always fail. You know, and we can't manage people, we can only manage systems. You have to have rock steady systems in place so that even the absolute worst employee who hates you, hates your company, doesn't want you to make any money, will still do a good job because the system has been developed that they cannot fail. You know, if they fail, it's not them, it's you. You didn't do a good job. So that's the way I develop my policies, procedures. And then when you're flooded with cash, You go by Nancy's policies and procedures, so you have a backup, but, you know, that's not going to really help you if you didn't build it yourself, if you didn't do the rest.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that goes for everything, you know, in your business. Like, you really need to experience it yourself and have an idea for, like, what you want, what you don't want, and that kind of thing. And then you can, you know, hire out um, and start to delegate things. So, such wisdom. Thank you so much, Tony. Um, Absolutely. I know that you do have to go in just a little bit here, but this has been really, really helpful. And I know that you have a bunch of resources on in Medicare and basically everything business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where can people find you and learn about all the courses that you have?
1: Sure. So you, if, if you guys find me personally on Facebook, all of my professional fo- profile stuff is just business stuff. Um, and you won't see a lot of it publicly unless you're friends with me. I'll put you on a list if you're a friend of mine, and then you'll see all of my content that I share, all the crazy ideas. (laughs) And then um, the Medicare Billing Group, Medicare Billing for Mostly Cash-Based PTOT Speech, I do teach. About the only thing that I teach in, in it's a um, a course on how to go from never having submitted a Medicare claim to getting your first Medicare payment. So it's called Zero to Paid. It's nine one-hour sessions. They're taught live. I do a new cohort every month. If you join, you have lifetime access. You have invitations to all future live trainings, and it's really just kind of a community. You know, you're you're not buying for the information. The information is publicly available. What you're buying is Access to the experience that I've had, to the mistakes that I've made, and me taking the information that I shared with you guys today and other and applying it in context. You know, Medicare covers all professionals. I take it and I make it appropriate to PTOT and SLP. But other than that, I mean, I'm always around. You guys see me posting everywhere. Um, so I'm always happy to talk. And of course, the YouTube channel. My my Medicare channel is Learn Medicare Billing. That's on YouTube. And if you want a sneak peek at my clinical channel, it's Total Therapy Solutions, but it's actually a knee replacement channel. And so that channel is over like 7,000 subscribers. It's it's earning like $900 a month. It's doing really, really well. And, and that is my lead gen for telehealth. I did a telehealth session for a Medicare beneficiary last night. I get calls from all over the country um again you and most of the people watching unfortunately you're the best kept secret in healthcare because nobody knows about you nobody knows about you nobody knows what you do and unfortunately most of us in the profession are trying to use the wrong language words are powerful we're calling it physical therapy and and that to me just destroys the value of what you guys actually provide You know so think about that but it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for having me on
0: yeah absolutely thank you so much for being here and i'm sure that there will be more questions popping up later um and you know thank you so much for providing all this insight i know that it'll be really helpful for everybody here so yeah thanks for your time um and you know you guys watching definitely um friend Tony uh jump in his groups follow him on all his things um you know and let's just keep moving forward with all of our awesome practices and making this right place <laughs>
1: that's right all right thanks see you guys
0: have a good night all right that's a wrap thank you so much for listening As always, I am honored to be a part of this community and it is my hope that by spreading the stories of clinicians just like you who wanted something more and went after it, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of and that you work so hard for. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganmeese.com. I would love to speak with you. And you can also find me on Instagram at DrMorganMeese. So who do you want to hear from next or would you like to be featured on this series? Please email me at morgan at thewellphysio.com. I'll talk to you guys soon.